time. I ask him to come he to you today. To Amen. Do you remember when it came? How it changed your he life? today in our hearts too let's just go before him you know what you need he knows what you need even more than you realize what your situation is he's here to come to you today to minister to your heart to reveal himself to you in a real and living way father we're your children today and if ever a people needed you, it is those here that is here in this last age and day and time. And we need you, Father. We're just asking, Lord, that you'd come to us today. Reveal yourself to us. May, oh God, the, the one who has made himself known as Son of Man, just come and make himself known to us in this service today. And anoint our hearts, anoint our lives, anoint our lips, anoint our thinking, Lord. It changes in your presence. Let your Holy Spirit, oh God, just come to every life, to every heart. And Father, may they not go out of here the same that they come in, but they, may they come out of a different person. Lord, more in love with you, more consecrated. Lord, for your holy God. And I think, oh God, of how you so laid out the tabernacle, every little part of cleansing, every little part of the priest's garments. You're a God of holiness. You're a God of purity. You're a God of righteousness. And Lord, you want your people to be a holy people, consecrated to you. I pray, Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, will come so real in this building today. Lord, did it wash out every creed of man, every idea of man. Lord, let the preeminence of the Word of God be the one that has the oversight and leadership today. Father, I give this service into your hands. I give myself into your hands. Lord, I think about the little group of people down at Beaumont, maybe some of them listening in and our brother Dennis fighting cancer with chemo. And the chemo is making him so sick. Lord, I, I pray that you'll be merciful to him and to that family. Lord, there's a lot of situations going on. A lot of broken, hurt people. Lord, even around the world, Lord, there's many that are broken and hurt, discouraged, confused. Lord, maybe sitting back in despair. Lord, maybe don't know what direction to take or where to go. But you're the leader, God. If 
I pray, Lord, that you'll provide leadership for your children, that you'll deal particularly with everyone, Lord. There are those that are reaching out from overseas. I've got a sick loved one. I, I've got a boy that, is, that has got um, a mental trouble. I, I have a, this situation. There's, there's this one with cancer. Oh, we're here in calamity. Or there's famine here. Or there's trouble in our land. Lord, there's situations everywhere. I pray, God, that you'll go by today. Show that you're not too busy to hear their hearts cry. Show that you can visit, Lord, right down into a little home where the message is going today. And that they can be quickened by the quickening power, changed in your presence. Lord, that the light of the glory of God would just come and so glow in their midst, Father, dispelling every darkness of unbelief. Move in this church today. Lord, there are many burdens, many situations here. Some, Lord, have need you to be their lawyer, Lord, to represent them in very serious conditions. Lord, you know the burden of that heart. I, I pray, God, that you'll be that lawyer and you'll be that strength giver in that time. And Lord, there's others, Father, that you, they need you to be a counselor. Lord, you, they need peace in their home. They need peace in their life. Lord, today may salvation and deliverance come to them. I just give this service to you and us in your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 13, we want to welcome you today in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and just say it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Thank you for coming and for being here. Amen. It makes um. A real special day when, when the saints of God get together and amen and see uh, some of you that have been in sickness and you're, you're back whole again and we thank the Lord for that. And I want to thank you for your prayers. I appreciate that as um, we have um, suffered due in the flesh as all men do. It's just a lot that we have as humans. But uh, one day all our troubles are going to be over. Amen. And we look forward to that. But until then, we persevere. Until then, we overcome. Until then, we put another foot forward. Amen. We progress. We move on. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people that sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. Amen. I, looking back over the congregation, seeing Sister Lily back there, these ought to resonate to her today. Sitting in the, in, the, in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. Amen. We're glad to have you in church. Her dad, Brother, Brother Kenneth back there, has been also suffering in great ways. Just had to have a, some type of device put in the heart. But he's here today in the service of the Lord. 
those who sat in the in darkness and they saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we would read on in here, we would see that next he calls disciples. Skip down to verse 23. After calling uh, different disciples, the Bible said, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching and in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. That's the good news of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments. And those that were possessed with devils. And those which were lunatic. And those that had the palsy. And he healed them. And then I'd like to look down in First uh, Peter chapter 2. And verse 9, and read from here as well. Amen. As you're finding your place in the Bible, I want to read about you and who you are. But you are a chosen generation. That word generation actually means offspring. You are a chosen offspring. God has chosen you for this time, for this moment, for this hour. For this very day of his visitation. Amen. For you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. In a holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him. Who hath called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. We're going to speak today from out of the darkness into the light. And of course, we have been dealing with Abraham and because it's a prophecy of the last day. So we will also refer to Abraham and what was happening in that day because it is a parallel to what is happening in our day, a prophecy for our day written in the scripture for our time. And we want to make sure we see every part of uh, this word that has been spoken of us. Because it was prophesied to somebody, and so then somebody is the interpretation of it. When God prophesies, then there is someone who will be the interpretation of that prophecy. And so it tells us that in Genesis 18, 1, the Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And then in verse 9, it said, and they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And behold, he said, behold, in the tent. You know, Sarah was um, sitting here in the tent of our darkness, and God was appearing. He was calling Sarah to come out of the tent of darkness and despair into the glorious light of the word that was being revealed in that moment. And of course, God always has a word for every generation, for every time. 
And God has a word for us today, even for, even in like Tabernacle or whoever, wherever you are today around the world as you're listening in, God has a word for you today because God's word is current and God's word is also precise. It discerns the very thoughts and the very intents of the heart. It goes down beyond even when you don't see you have a need, it goes down and reveals your need. And brings that out into the light so that you can say, yes, God, I do have need of that. And so, again, we, so we, we have read of Sarah in the tent there as she sat in her time of despair, a time of darkness in her old age as a forgotten woman, it seems. But God never forgets any of his promises. God is an on-time God, and he does things in certain ways because you would think, oh my, she should have had this child when, he was, she, when she was young and, and could have enjoyed him now for, um, she's uh, nearly 90 years old, she could have enjoyed him now for maybe 70 years, and it would have been a wonderful time of, of spending, look at all the time that she lost. But you see, God had a purpose and a plan. One thing God was doing was showing his omnipotence. He was showing his power of what he could do with not just an old decrepit woman, but what he could do with an old decrepit church that had long forgotten her promises, that looked like the Lord had delayed his coming and had held back the promises of God. And so again, we, we see Again, Israel being a woman who was similar to Sarah, she was an old woman, having given a promised son. A son had been promised for many years that a Messiah would come. It had come all the way from the book of Genesis, from the earliest of prophecies, that there would come a a serpent bruiser who would correct what the serpent had done. And he would be the seed of a woman, and she would come forth. And, And yet now this old woman, Israel, has been waiting and waiting and waiting and went through her trials and devastations and troubles. And now, as the Bible said, she was a people that was sitting in great darkness. She was a people who was sitting in the, in the region and the shadow of death. But in that moment, light was springing forth. Because the Israel as Sarah of old was bringing forth that promised son. The offspring of God was coming forth. It would be God incarnate. It would be one of, it would be the greatest visitation of God to mankind where God would come and take on flesh. And here he would, he would walk there in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Nephilim, uh, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in the Galilee of the Gentiles. And people who were sitting in great darkness, and they, be, they began to see a great light. Those who were sitting in the region, the shadow of death, light was springing up. And it was bringing the light by teaching in their synagogues and by preaching the gospel of the kingdom and by healing all manner of sicknesses and and all manner of diseases among the people. 
and those with divers disease and torments and those that were possessed with devils, those that were lunatic, those that had the palsy that were paralytic and he healed them. This was, this was what happens when the promised son comes. Amen. He, he arises with healing in his wings, with deliverance. In Genesis 18, 1, the Lord appeared. I, I think those words are powerful. The Lord appeared because we are also in the day of his appearing. Amen. And when he appears, the spirits of darkness flee. Amen. Abraham is in the tent of the, and he was in the door of his tent in the light. Yet Sarah is sitting in the gloom and the darkness of her tent. And she's sitting in the region under the shadow of death. And because it looked like she would just die childless, that Ishmael would be the promised son, that Surely none of this that was promised would ever be her promise. That it would only be sort of in a kind of a way, you know, through Hagar that this would be. But it was never going to ever be her personal promise. And she's sitting in the region under the shadow of death. And yet in that moment, her visitation was happening. In that moment, the one in the beginning who said, let there be light, was standing there by her tent door. Amen. And again, he was there to separate light from darkness. Let me tell you, he's the same kind of God today. He is the same kind of God that would appear suddenly into Abraham and Sarah and call Sarah out of her tent. He is here this morning, right here in this church, to walk these aisles, to speak to your heart, to call you out of your tent of despair, of the tent of darkness where you're in, the unbelief that you have dealt with, the sickness that has been there way too long, the barrenness that you have experienced way too long. Amen. And it looks like it will never happen. But today is a day of visitation. Today, things are changing. And I want to prophesy today, things are changing. And they're changing because he has appeared. Because when he appears, good things happen. When he appears, lives change. When he appears, the lost is saved. When he appears, the sick is healed. Whether you're lunatic or paralytic, or whether no matter what your condition or how bad it is, when he appears, things happen. Marriages are healed. Homes are reunited. The blind eyes come open. The deaf begins to hear. The blind eyes begin to see. When he appears, he comes as the one who stood in the beginning, who said, let there be light. And when he spoke, things began to happen. When Jesus began to speak, things began to happen. People who sat in darkness began to see light. The good news of the gospel was Amen, that no matter what your condition and how long you've been there and how severe the case, that when the gospel is preached, when the word goes forth in power, it breaks the chains of darkness and it sets the children of God free to serve him. 
Sarah in the tent was under the shadow of death. But today was a different day. Oh, if we could only realize we're in the last day and it's a different day. Yeah, it's a day of Sodom. Yes, it's a day of evil. Yes, it's a day of great darkness. Yes, it's a great day of great despair in the world, among the nations. And people are truly sitting under the shadow of death. Our nation is a country sets under the shadow of death. The world and its governments are sitting under the shadow of death. People are in the region and the shadow of death. People's families are dying. Homes are dying. Everything else is going on. But in that moment, he's appearing. In that moment, the light bringer is coming. The day star is rising. Amen. The light is coming forth to dispel the darkness and to open up the eyes of the blind and let them see scriptures that have been laying dormant in the word for many, many years now become to life. Today is a new day where light is appearing. I wanted to say to you today, it doesn't matter to despair. It doesn't matter that whether you've been forgotten. Maybe your father abandoned you. Maybe your mother didn't care for you. Maybe your wife has left you. Maybe your children has forsaken you. Maybe your husband and you are in disagreement. Or maybe there are trouble of every kind. Maybe your children are straight away from God. Or, or maybe there's sickness in the home. It don't really matter what the despair is. The solution is all the same. Amen. If you notice there, there was lunatic and paralytic and there was blind and there was crippled and there was every kind of uh, disease and all manner of things, but it didn't matter the problem. The solution was the same. The gospel, the word was bringing liberty. And I want you to know he's here to liberate you today. No matter how long you've been in the situation, no longer, no matter how often you've been forgotten. Maybe how long the promise has been delayed. It doesn't matter. The solution is the same. His his appearance. Today is a new day. He's calling you out of darkness into the marvelous light. The Lord is appearing in his final climax before the rapture. And through the teaching and, and the preaching, it's followed by healing all manners of sickness all manner of disease among the people. Those that were with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Amen. I, I want you to notice the preaching is followed by this. Oh, Brother Tim, but we're not in the days of tent revivals. And Brother Tim, Brother Tim, this is not the hour of divine healing meetings. Brother Tim, this is not the hour of of great uh, revivals and, and, and healing campaigns. That's not where the emphasis is. Let me tell you, the emphasis is on the word. And when the gospel is preached, amen, the lunatic, amen, is set free. Amen. Come on now. 
Amen. No matter what the situation is, the paralyzed, the sick, the demon possessed, it doesn't matter the situation or how hard your case is. Because when he comes, he'll declare there is nothing too hard for God. Your case is not an unusual case. Your case is not an unfixable case. Your case is not something that, that, that even though doctors can't fix it, man has no solution. You don't have a solution, but God's got the solution. So when the preaching of the word goes forth, it is followed by healing all manner of sickness. Oh, but that ain't our day. It is our day. Oh, but this is not our visitation. That is our visitation. Come on, Sarah, you got to quit disbelieving and come out of the tent of despair and start saying, this is my day. This is the day God called me to live in. Amen. If David overcome in his day and he killed Goliath, I'm going to overcome in my day and I'll kill my Goliath. Amen. If Samson overcome in his day, amen, I'm going to give my strength to God and let him anoint me and with that anointing to slay every giant. Move every gate of hell. Now, if this is appearing as in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So I want you to notice you can either look at yourself as being in the days of Lot or the days of the coming. It depends on how you want to look at it. Well, we're in the days of Lot. What about the days of his coming? You see, when he comes, he comes to focus. Focus you on what is important and relevant to you. And the days of Sodom is not relevant to you. You are not Sodom. Amen. You don't have to fix his politics. You don't have to worry with the news. Amen. You're not going to fix the world in the system. So quit trying. Quit worrying about it. Focus now on who's here. Focus on the one who is present. The one who's calling you come out of the darkness. You sat there too long. Jesus said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Did you hear it? But will have the light of life. He asserts that he is the light to the world in John 9 and 5. During the, during the miracle of the healing of the blind at birth, he says, when I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, you say, Brother Tim, that would be wonderful if he was here. That's exactly what he's trying to tell you. He's not here in the nail-scarred Jesus, but he's here in the power of his word. He's here in the form of his Holy Spirit. And it's just as powerful as when he walked the shores of Galilee. Amen. And he has proven to us he is here in the world by his Holy Spirit. He has proven it by signs, by wonders, by miracles, by healings, and by revelation. In Sarah's dwelling, there was darkness.
darkness and gloom, but God was there appearing to bring her from the shadow of death, to push back the demons of unbelief that held her bound, and to let the light of God's word shine upon her. And to shine upon her then, dead and lifeless womb. Every one of you have got a womb. It's called a soul. And that soul is to bring forth a life. And that life is to be Jesus Christ. And there she must bring forth the promised son. And so must the church. We must. We must bring forth the promised son. It is, it is the most pertinent, it is the most relevant, it is the most important thing that could ever be. I, I know, like Israel, they had given up. I know, like Sarah, she had given up. But you know, in the moment when it's everybody seems to give up, that's when God comes on the scene. Sarah was missing her visitation. She was sitting in the darkness of her tent, and I'm going to just say, you must not miss yours. Even today, you must not miss yours. He's coming, and he's not too busy to hear your heart cry. He cares for you. He understands your situation. This is a God that would become so personal that through a prophet that he would use him to call people's name, their address, and where they were from, and all about the details of their lives. Because God wanted you to know he was a personal God. He wanted you to know that he cares about and knows where you live, what your address is, what your name is. He knows about your situation. He saw you back there when you were scared. He saw you back there when, when that happened to you as a child. He saw all of that. He knew that, but he's also got the solution. I just want to give you a word of warning. Don't miss your visitation. In the beginning and before Eden, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void. It was full of emptiness. Darkness covered the face of the earth. That continued, and I don't know how long it continued. Could have went millions of years that it was in that shape. We don't know. But nevertheless, when God spoke, he said, let there be light. And this is, this is exactly what God was doing to Sarah. He was bringing light upon her darkened heart. And where she was sitting with her despair and discouragement. This is exactly what, what happened when Jesus started appearing among them. He was bringing those who were in despair, in darkness, into a marvelous light. Showing them, showing them that I'm an on-time God. Showing them I'm the healer, I'm the solution to every problem. That there is nothing, no problem that you have too hard for me. Now, in the beginning, God showed himself as the separator of light from darkness. For God's word separates light from darkness. It is the preaching of the word that separates. 
lot of times, you know, when we preach and you think, well, that's hard preaching or that was preaching on holiness or, or that was preaching against sin or that was preaching about what I was doing or how I was living or whatever. What is that? It's the gospel going forward, separating light from darkness. Amen. Dispelling the darkness, trying to be, bring the light of the holiness of God into your life. As I said, how long the earth sat dark and empty, we don't know. But when God got ready to use it, he had to separate light from darkness. When God got ready to use Sarah, he had to bring her from the darkness of the tent into the light of his presence. He had to separate her from the dark spirits of fear and unbelief. When God gets ready to use any group, Or any individual, he has to separate light from darkness. And he did it then by the spoken word. And any time he sends his word, he separates the light from the darkness. He clear, his word clears back all the atmospheres of unbelief so you can start believing. That's what the preaching of the word does. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Because when word is preached in faith... What happened? It dispels unbelief. It dispels doubt. Which, you know, everybody believes, well, the Bible is true. Well, the message is true. Yeah, God sent a prophet. Yeah, I believe Jesus is the son of God. But you see, it's never been personal to you. And it's got to become personal to every individual. Even on a... Even even when it comes down to healing, you can know all the scriptures in the Bible. By his stripes I am healed. You know all this, the, You know he was wounded for my transgression. All the promises that lays in the Word of God, you can know them all. But it's got to become personal to you. It's got to become your word, and this message has got to become your message. Now, this is what his word does. It clears back all the atmospheres of unbelief. This is why the son of man, Christ, the word was manifested. He comes to destroy the works of the devil. Men and women who were bound by sin, who were tormented, who were oppressed, who were in drugs or alcohol, or in sexual sins of fornication or pornography or in adultery, those that were obsessed or possessed with anxieties, those that are caught in unbelief of the ages, of false trinities of gods, of those who were snared by denominational half-truths, of people barren and unable to bring forth the promised son. This, This is why the son of man is manifested. This is why the word comes to bring deliverance. Amen. I'm looking at a bunch of men and women who in your life, you met this one. You stood in the presence of him. He dispelled the half-truths, the denominational dogmas. He dispelled the unbelief that held you. Some of you, maybe you never was a smoker, drinker, liar, cusser. Maybe you lived in a religious home, but your own self-righteousness held you bound. And you had to realize, I need a savior. I'm a sinner. Because when, he, when you stand in his presence, 
it reveals the darkness of the heart. It, re- it reveals why you're kind of laughing at the promise and say, oh, how could that be for me? It's true for others. I can never be successful. I can never make it. I can never do it. Why, well, you know, my greatest, you know, you, you got young men whose greatest ambition is to be a drug dealer. Or they could be, you know, make the high dollars and drive the fancy car. And, and you know, and I can make more money than this and what I can with sweat and honest work. And that's their ambition. That's some of you, that was some of your ambition. You sat in that kind of darkness. Amen. But the light of lights came by your way. And it dispelled that darkness and it brought you out and it gave you a better life to live than what you lived. Some of you were bound with every kind of sin. Maybe you've been married two or three times and you had all this kind of situation in your life. But the light bringer came. And he dispelled that darkness. He forgave you of your sins. Amen. And he teaches, amen, at the same time, young people, you don't do that. Amen. You live for for one marriage, one life, one wife, one man. To Sarah in the tent, the word meant nothing to her. Literally, the word that had been given was not hers personally. It was just, its promises were passed. I'm too old. I'm 90. I'm way beyond barren. These promises are not mine. That's the way a lot of people get in their times of despair back in the tent, sitting in the darkness. Well, you know, it can happen for so-and-so, but it can't happen for me. Yeah, the, you know, I, you know we, we've had bad marriages for how many? You know, my daddy and mom fought and fight and fought and fight all the, uh, all the time. And, and my, my parents, they did it. How, how do you expect me to be in a difference? I can't. You're going to go right down the same trail. You make the same bad choices. You do the same thing unless you ever realize there's one that is present who can dispel that darkness and what's been true of a generational curse for years and years breaks and stops right there with your life. Because today, I come into his presence. Today, my life is going to be different. Today, my life is changed. To share in the tent, God would never be real to her. Real to Abraham. Oh, yeah, God was real to Abraham. To Sarah in the tent. To Sarah in the tent, you know... God would never be real to her. It was just for somebody else. The promised son would never come. She might as well just be content with Ishmael. She never dreamed she could be young again. Sitting in this tent, all her mind was on how much inflation was. My social security isn't going to make it. 
and I'm not going to have enough to buy groceries and pay the rent. And the light bills in Minden are really high. And the troubles that we have is getting worse and worse. And there's no future for young people. And there's no future for, for nothing else. And, you know, she, you know, and the church sits back. You know, we can never have those days again. We can never feel the Spirit of God again. We can never feel young again. We, we, we can never do that. Those days are past. And you sit back in your dreams. And yet you can never dream, never allowed to dream of being young again, being healthy, being well. There's some of you, even in your life, you've given up on being healthy. You've given up on being well. This is just my lot. This is just my life. Just the way it is. I can never be any different. And you sit right there in your despair convinced that this is just the way it's got to be. You look at your marriage and you say, well, you know, most of them don't make it. Mine's just running the same course and we can't get along and, and, you know, we'll never have a happy home. And you're there in that despair of I can never. It's never for me. It's not meant for me. Or maybe you're single. I'll never be married. There's nobody for me. There's nothing for me. And you sit back in the despair in your tent. Or maybe somebody else sitting. I can never have a good job. I never can be successful. Or as a young person, you say, I can never overcome this problem. You sit back in your tent. And you wonder, why me? Why can others be blessed? Why can others get the blessings of God? And how come it always happens to me the way it is? Well, you know why? Why couldn't I have been born a certain way or born in a certain family or been a certain way? Or, you know, how how come I I got this trashy family I got? How come I couldn't have had something better? Why didn't I get a better start? Well, I'll tell you what. You can have your better start today. Amen, because you are in your hour of visitation. And no matter how decrepit and old and weary and hopeless it is seems, I want you to know it ain't hopeless. Hallelujah, when you put my God in the equation, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing hopeless. God appears on the scene in the most inopportune moment. To pull you out of that darkness into his marvelous light. Because you are a chosen people. Chosen of God not to stay in your tent of despair all your life. But you don't know my problem. My God does. And there ain't nothing bigger than my God. But you don't know my situation, but my God does. If we can just get you to start having the right mental attitude toward the promise of God. Amen. The word of God, it will germinate in that kind of atmosphere where you start believing all things are possible to them that believe. This is why the son of man was visiting Sarah. He was demonstrating he knows her name, calling her out. 
God was showing us in this last day when Sodom darkness covered the land, when many churches of unbelief clouded us as we sulked in our tents, that the fullness of the word would come and show his power. It showed us the power over blind eyes, over deaf ears, over crippled conditions. It's power over cancer. It's power over Roman dogmas, of false trinities and baptisms. Amen. The Bible said in Ephesians 5.13, whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So light manifests his power over darkness. And when light is sprung up among those in Jesus' day who sat in the region of death under the shadow of darkness, and when light sprung up, it called and ordained men to cast Satan out. Amen. It was not just Jesus going forth healing the sick, but he was calling men to do the same thing. Hallelujah. I want you to know it's God is calling a church in this last day. I'm not talking about a building and I'm not talking about a certain sect. I'm talking about the bride of Jesus Christ. And God is calling men and women to cast Satan out. In Genesis, the seeds were already there. God had planted the seed. It was just the atmosphere had to be right. Atmospheres have to be right for the seed to come forth. The light would manifest the seed that was there. But until that light came and it sat in the darkness, in the time of void and darkness, until the light came, it could not bring forth and manifest what was in the seed. The same with the word of God. The word of God is a seed. Amen. And it can lay dormant for centuries. But when the light shines upon it, it has to manifest. Is that right? Amen. I mean, come on. You know, how many years did, did it sit in the Bible? Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And that word lay dormant for centuries until finally the light shone on that scripture. By the presence of God shining upon that scripture. And all of a sudden, that light, that word became relevant. That word became power. That what lay in that word all those years began to manifest. And out of it came a forerunner. And out of it came a savior. And out of it came a, a gospel. And out of it came deliverance. And out of it came the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Why? Because light shone on the word that had been dormant for years and years and years. For he says, it's in the evening time, it shall be light. This is the hour of light. I want to get it to you this morning. This is the hour of light. Oh, but Brother Tim, I see darkness come out of the tent. Amen. You say, I don't see nothing but despair come out of the tent. You've got to walk in the light. You've got to see who is here among us. You've got to see that, that when he comes, he changes the whole situation. Now, so the word is a seed. 
And it can lay dormant for centuries, but when light shines upon it, it has to make manifest. That's the way Christ shining upon the word makes the word do what it's supposed to do. Life can only come by the word of God made manifest or displayed. So in other words, you see the, the, the word of God can be there without life until it's made manifest. And when it's made manifest, it goes into action and things begin to happen. Now, for example, as long as it just lays in the book, the Bible, like this, it can still be questioned. Now, you say, Brother Tim, you, you know, the Bible can be questioned. Oh, what do you mean it can be questioned? It's a, you know, the question can be, is it a word for a past age? That's a question. Is it applicable for me? Because it was spoken to David and the prophets and to Israel, but is it mine? So as long as it lays in there, just in the book, it can still be questioned. But when it's made manifest, then you see the product of what it spoke of being manifested, then that is a light on the word. The word said so, and then when it comes to pass, light bringing life Light brings life. Amen. Now you can put the you can put the seed grain of God or the seed grain of wheat, you can plant it down in a basement. But it will never bring forth the intended crop. Oh yeah, you can water it and it'll sprout and you know you can you can have sprouts. But for it to ever produce grains of wheat, it's got to have the right atmosphere. And that atmosphere has to change from glory to glory. Understand? It cannot remain the same. Now, so again, there has to be a change. And and that's what we're saying this morning. You know, the atmosphere to, to germinate life might have been there. And you might have had that 20 years ago. But it's time for the atmosphere to change where you can manifest any and every promise of God, where it can bring healing to you, healing to your home, healing to your marriage, healing to your Christian walk, whatever it is, and it can bring healing, deliverance. Now, so as long as Sarah remained in darkness of the tent, even with hearing the word, she scoffed and doubted the word of the messenger. But when she was brought out into the light, the demon of doubt that had held her for years now that said, I can't do it. It'll never be me. I, I can never be the real, that real kind of Christian. I, I can, it, you know, it, it just can't happen for me. I, I can never be in the character of Christ. I can never manifest this. This is too hard. It's, I'm unable. And as long as she, she laid there saying, I can't do it. It'll never be me. Or maybe it might be you where your, your sickness has went on for years and I can never be whole. I can never, I, you know, and you sit there in that depression. That's a demon of despair. I want you to understand depression is a demon. It is a shadow of death. 
And you'll listen to that depression until you become that depression. Come on. Hey man, you've got to have a different attitude than that. You've got to come out and say, I can, I will, I do believe. You've got to come out and say, but healing is mine. Deliverance is mine. Jesus paid for them. And I'm God's son or I'm God's daughter. I don't have to live this way the rest of my life. But I'm too old. Sarah was 90. I don't know how old you are. Abraham was 100. That's we're up in the ante a little bit. Ten more years. Why are we putting limits on God? Why don't you be the best you can be right here where God has you in this moment, this time? Why can't you be a testimony to the world that can be preached about through the ages like Sarah was and where that she was conceived because she judged him faithful. Instead of saying, I can't do it, she said, he can. Instead of saying, I'm unable, she said, he can. Instead of, my problem's too great, my situation's too hard, my children will never believe. If they, you know, they've had too much unbelief popped in them, pumped in them, and they've had too much contrariness and problems, and they've seen too much. But brother, it's that kind of people that God takes and changes their lives and makes a trophy out of his grace. Amen. All you can look at that and look at your children and say, they're going to be a bigger trophy of the grace of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. There'll be one who declares that God can do the impossible, that he can change the situations. I can never bring forth the son of promise. But when the messenger, the son of man, called her out of the tent, it exposed her darkness and it brought her into the light. And then the word was manifested. And when it's manifested, it proves it was the light. Hallelujah. You know, Acts 2 and 4 might be dormant for you. May not be real in your life, but it's been vindicated in mine. Hallelujah, because why? You see, it's been manifested. I look over here and I see other men and women that it's manifested. We know Acts 2 is real. That the Holy Ghost does come because we've tasted it. We have it. We've experienced it. It's changed our life. We are a new creature in Christ. Somebody help me preach. Amen. So you see, it's displayed. So it's light manifested. It may be dormant in you, but it can be alive today. The sun is God's spoken word and all natural life comes from the sun. The spiritual life can only come from the S-O-N. In him is light and in him is no darkness because he's God's spoken light. Jesus is God's spoken word. For in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God and it takes the light of God to strike the word to make it live. Here in the Bible is what he spoke. Now let the light shine on it. Come on. Amen. He said there would be in the last day. 
a bride without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah. I don't care how long it's laid dormant. I don't care how many other ages could not qualify. I don't care how many wrinkles and blemishes were in the past. This is a new day. This is when the Son of Man comes to shine upon the Word and bring out a bride without spot or wrinkle, without a blemish. The light will bring every word of the Bible to its right position in its season. And this is the season. You can keep saying, this ain't the season. I'm past the season. You know, the season of childbearing is over. The season of the promise is over. The season of healing is over. The season of miracles is over. See, the, see, the, the season of, of, of the Holy Ghost, that's over with. And it may be for you. But there's somebody it's meant for. There is a Sarah on earth. Hallelujah, that's standing in the presence of the Son of Man. And he's doing everything he can to change her attitude toward it. Saying the promises to you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen, it's for you. Could you imagine somebody refusing to say that there's such a thing as a son? Well, praise God, I can look out the back today and I can see it shining. There's been a few days I wondered if there was one. Dark and dreary and rainy days. You know, I I can remember the first time I flew. God prepared me when I was 18 years old. As I went to a meeting there to to, uh, be with those um, in a church dedication in Anniston, Alabama. And I flew from from Shreveport over there, landed in Atlanta in in the midst of nine tornadoes. We went round and around and around. You talk about flying the friendly skies, it was not friendly. But one thing I found, that no matter how stormy it was, no matter how dark it was, no matter how many tornadoes was on the ground and the winds were blowing and all this trouble up where I was was above the clouds and the sun was shining. And I want you to know somewhere up above your despair, somewhere up above your clouds, somewhere above that unbelief, the sun is shining. Hallelujah. Just waiting for the winds of the Holy Spirit to blow the clouds back and let the sun shine. Is there. You may not see it because of your despair, but it's there. Where I was, it was a pretty day. A bumpy ride, but a pretty day. I want to say today, where I'm at, it's a pretty day. This is a good day. Amen. This is a wonderful day. This is the best days of our lives. Amen. It's only going to get better for us. Hallelujah, because the promised son is on the way. It ain't going to get worse for you as a Christian. Come on, it's going to get better. A better day is coming. A visitation is coming. More of the Holy Spirit is coming. 
Marvin's power is coming. Why? It's the day for it. But can you imagine somebody going down into a dark basement and refuse to, to accept the benefit of a God-given light? There's something wrong with him. He don't want his warm health-given rays. He don't want, it, don't want the light to walk in. He'd rather sit in darkness. Something's mentally wrong with him. Oh, there ain't no sun. Today ain't today. This ain't the season for it. It is the season for the light. This is the day of the coming of the Son of Man. This is the day where the light is shining in its fullness. This is the day where God is here in his power. Oh, well, we don't have the power like they had in the 40s and 50s. Beat me. Tell me. Is that right? No, it's not right. How could that be right? Amen. When he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is there and he'll meet your expectations. He will come to you in that very moment of time. Breaking through your shadows of doubt and unbelief and the spirit of darkness where you can see a great light is shining. Something wrong. Go back under the shade of a tent of a profession of a faith and shuts the door. So, well, there's no such thing as that. Days of miracles is past. No such thing as divine healing. There's none of these things. That, that was just for the apostles or their favorite thing today. But that was just for the, for the prophet. Those men are spiritually crazy. Did you hear what I said? Something's wrong with them that he pulled the curtain down and reject the Holy Spirit that could come upon them. Amen. They said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then let the light shine on the word. Ask what you will and it shall be given to you. Amen. There's something wrong that you would reject the God-given sources that God has given us to live by his word. Said the just shall live by faith. How many is righteous? Amen. Then you'll live by faith. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, not part of the word. That's why we believe in an open book around here. Oh, Brother Tim, you're just trying to, you know, work up some gifts and miracles and signs and wonders. And then, no, we want every word of God. Amen. We're just, we're saying, that, you know, I don't care whether others are denying it, others are neglecting it. We're not neglecting any truth of God's word. We shall see miracles for we are miracles. The miracle has started in my life. And because of that miracle, I can believe for other miracles. Hallelujah. Amen. When a man will just refuse portion of the word, whether it's altar calls or prayer lines or the baptism of the Holy Ghost or whether it's doctrinal things like the seven thunders or the revelation contained in the seals or just as simple as one God truth of the Bible, there's something wrong with that person. Person had to be spiritually crazy to believe in two lords. Amen. Or three gods. Or trinity of, two, of gods. Come on, somebody. Amen. You climb down in your basement and refuse to let the light shine. When God's light has shown in this day and shown this is a one God Bible. And we are a one God people. 
Amen. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of us all. Come on, somebody. Amen. When it's written in the word of, of true baptism and that we can receive the Holy Ghost as was given in the book of Acts. Amen. How can we go down in the basement and say it can't happen? You'd have to be spiritually crazy. Go down the basement or hide in the tent and refuse to see the light of God's word and say, well, but we don't need miracles today. I don't know who you are. You must be some superhero of some kind. But this old boy needs miracles. And I don't care who you are, you need a miracle. Amen. Well, we don't need, well, that was only for a season. Can you imagine people saying that was only for a season? Exactly what season is this? Well, this is the wheat grain, Brother Tim, where the life is in the grain. And, and, and so it's the maturity of the word. Okay, great. I'm so glad to have that. Because if it's the maturity of the word and the fullness of the word and the grain of the word, it has all the word in it. Hallelujah, some miracles are in it and healing's in it and deliverance in it and salvation is in it. And if it ain't that, you don't have the full word. You got a grain of radizate off half of it and calling it the full word of God. We got grain, where's the other half in some rat's belly? Saying days of miracles are past. Is not the season for God to move like that. I want you to know the word is always in season. Come on. Amen. This is, this is, you say, well, it's not the season. I I just want to ask and I wonder when will be the season? Well, Sarah ended it. Well, the season's passed. You know, I, I, I've been in menopause for how many years? And, you know, my, my, my womb's dry. You know, it's just a, that season's past. Well, maybe it was. But the word's still got to be fulfilled. Come on. And he happened to choose you to do it. You're a chosen generation. He happened to choose you to manifest the word of God in this last day. He happened to select you to call you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Amen. This is, so when will be the, the season for it? I want you to understand this is the day of restoration. Amen. He said, I will restore, saith the Lord, all the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the locust, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But you got to come out from under that tent, that dark basement of unbelief, and judge him faithful who has promised. But just because you don't believe in the powers of God, don't run, don't mean that the word, you know, it doesn't mean what it says. The word, you know, and the man then runs down into the musty, dirty, filthy basement of man's ideas 
and refuses the warmth and the life-giving rays of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then there's got to be something wrong with that person. He would rather live in the musty darkness than to live in the light of God and of the Bible that said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The works that I do shall you do also. For, for I go to my father, you see, there's something wrong with that person. Without a question, there has to be something wrong when the Bible said that. There's something wrong with your experience when you say you love God and refuse his word. Come on. You see, the church is in its condition today and things can't be done as God promised because you won't walk in the light. Amen. The Bible said, walk in the light as he is, the light in the blood of Jesus Christ. God's son cleanses us from all sin. So you see, sin is unbelief. And if we're walking in the God-given light of the hour, then God takes that word that's given for that hour and he vindicates it for signs will follow them that believe. If this is a true word, then Mark 16, 20 has to be an action. And they went forth preached everywhere and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The true message is when light shines on the word. I'd like to, I'd like this, this scripture, Revelation 10, 1, to be immortalized in our hearts where he said, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud a rainbow was upon his head his face were as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire notice I want you to notice his face when God comes when the light comes it has transforming power his face his countenance the countenance of this one We're talking about the son of man that's standing in the front of Sarah's tent. His face is as it were the sun. We're talking about brightness wherein there is no darkness. That's what this message is. There is no darkness in this message. Hallelujah. This is when the true light comes on water baptism. It's when true light shines upon the Godhead. It's when true light opens up seven seals and we hear what the thunders utter. It's when true light comes. When light comes into a darkened soul, it changes that soul where that, that soul desires the things of God. It'll take a woman with, with short bobbed hair and it'll make her wear long hair. Come on, why? Because light comes up on the scripture. It'll take a man with long hair and it'll take him and cause him to go to the barber shop and get it cut off because light has come into the soul that made the word of God a reality. God doesn't want me looking like a woman. He wants me to look like a man. Oh, well, Brother Tim, I'm trying to look like Jesus. Well, if you want to look like Jesus, well, Jesus in that day would, come on, Paul said that a man is to have short hair. Come on, cut hair. The woman is to have uncut hair. 
So we know that in the days, that, that, that's what Christians did. That's what Christians do today. And Jesus would, like all men of that day, would take their hair and with a knife, and they would have to cut it. They didn't have barbers like we got, and cut it all the way around, and cut it all the way around, cut it all the way around. Jesus didn't have uh, hair down to his waist. Jesus was different. He was different. He was a man. He didn't look like a woman. He didn't dress like a woman. And when the Holy Ghost comes, it'll make a man look like a man and dress like a man. It'll make a woman look like a woman, a lady, and dress like a lady. Is that right? Because it's the Holy Ghost comes and it shines upon the darkened soul. And light shines. Takes every worldly spirit away from you. You quit desiring to be like the world and the things of the world. You quit painting your fingernails and your toenails and make them look like white navy bean hulls and call yourself a Christian. Come on. Amen. How in the world are you going to identify yourself as a son or daughter of God when you're looking like the world? Amen. That's old sassafras fresh preaching, but it's the word of God. And if light dawns in on the inside of your soul, it'll bring your life subject to the word of God. You'll look holy. You'll dress holy. You'll act holy. The paint will come from all of your face. I heard a preacher say here the other day, he said, well, you know, I think a woman ought to wear paint. Even a barn needs painting. Well, my wife never was a barn, and she never needed painting. Amen. She was beautiful the way God made her. I want you to know you're beautifully and wonderfully made. You don't need the world's paint on your face to make you beautiful, to make you attractive. Amen. What I make you attractive is with the character of Christ comes in your life. You want to, amen, don't try to vamp a man. Try to get a character on the inside of you. That's a man would say, that's a daughter of God. I want that kind of a wife. I want that kind of a woman. Same way with you as a man. Don't go kick your hair up and put a perm in it and act like some, something like that. Come on. You don't act like that. We're sons and daughters of the great king of glory. We belong to God. We don't belong to the world. We don't look like the world. We don't dress like the world. When light comes, it attacks the demons that love darkness. That, that, that fear, that anxiety, that depression, it has to flee. Paul said the word didn't come in, or the gospel didn't come in word only. It came in power and much assurance. And since Christ is the same, anytime the gospel is preached, it comes in power and with much assurance. We saw it demonstrated again and again, and we will still see it demonstrated today. The word preached actually demonstrates itself. It'll go forth like a, a flaming sword right into the consciousness of men. It'll set the captive free. Everywhere believers went, you see, the word, the gospel word, God confirmed it with signs following, and the sick were healed, and devils were cast out, and they spoke in new tongues. <laughs> that was the word in action. And that word will never fail in the mouths of believing Christians. 
Amen. We're to speak it. We're to display it. We're to wave it in the face of the devil. Amen. We are the people of the kingdom. We, we sat under that region and the shadow of death. And where we sat, light has now sprung up. Just as he did in Genesis, we said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, so you see, could you, could you realize today that men of darkness will say, but we don't need the word vindicated. Can you imagine that? People actually saying the word doesn't need vindicating. Well, you see, Brother Tim, it's already vindicated. So we don't need it vindicated. I want to just go on record. That's a lie of the devil. And that is the excuse of a powerless religion. Amen. Could you imagine the apostles saying the word don't need vindicating? Could you imagine them saying Jesus vindicated it when he opened the eyes of the blind and healed the lepers and raised Lazarus from the dead so the word don't need vindicating anymore? Uh, You see, they were not vindicating whether or not Jesus was a believer. They were vindicating they were believers. Hallelujah. As signs followed them, they spoke with new tongues. They laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Why was it? Because the word that they were preaching had to be vindicated. And the same thing has to happen today. If we preach, it's got to be vindicated. Signs has got to follow. Healing's got to be there. Miracles has got to be there. Deliverance has got to be there. The Holy Ghost has got to be there. Oh, the word don't need vindicating, Brother Tim. It's already been vindicated. Well, why did God send a prophet? It was already vindicated in Jesus' ministry. So why did we need Brother Branham? Why did we need a prophet? God vindicated it again. Still needs vindicating. And when it's vindicated in your life, it vindicates you as a believer. Is that right? Amen. The word today, you said, but the word today, Brother Tim, has already been vindicated. Yeah, it was vindicated that Brother Branham, it vindicated that Brother Branham was a prophet and that the seventh angel messenger, he, he was that. And, 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 and what he, and it's, let me just say it this way it's not Brother Branham that needs vindicating, it's you that needs vindicating. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe. Yeah, it worked in Brother Brandon, but what about your life? Amen. They shall speak with new tongues. That needs to be vindicated. Come on, somebody. They shall cast out devils. But then we, we don't need devils cast out. Every person who comes to Christ has to have the devil cast out of him. You have a demon sitting on your throne from the moment you're born. You're born in sin and shape and iniquity brought in this world speaking lies. And you need that devil cast out of your life and let the Holy Spirit come and be the king on the throne of your heart. Salvation is casting out devils. Divine healing is casting out devils. Not your devil is casting out that devil of unbelief. 
that devil that's holding you back, that maybe today is not the day, maybe today is not the moment, maybe today ain't for me, maybe this is not my hour. These signs, shall, if these signs shall don't follow a church, then that church is not true believers. Because these are among believers. The Jews of 2,000 years ago went into their basement of unbelief Yet reading the quotes of Moses, but Moses' words became a glare that just blinded them instead of illuminating them. Why did the Jews reject the Messiah? Because they were living in the glare of an age past. They were in the glare of Moses' age. And that's the very reason that this message that Jesus Christ is still the same is turned down is because people are living in glares of other ages. Amen. They're living under a mirage. A mirage is something that's believed to be true or real, but is actually false. It's a false light. A glare is a false conception of the true light. A mirage is when a layer of heated atmosphere takes the light and it bends it, making the sky that should be in the heavens appear to be on the earth and makes it as a pretty blue lake. And you look out there and you say, oh, this is a beautiful lake out here. And I'm starving to death for water. If I could just get to that lake. If I can, and it's a mirage. And it comes when a layer of heated atmosphere takes the light and bends it. And when you get atmospheres of unbelief, taking the light, the message of the hour, you can even take quotes and bend it instead of, and instead of what's supposed to be on top is on the bottom. And you have an illusion and you're calling it the truth and it, and it, and it is real, but it belongs up here and you got it down there. And it's not real. It's a false light. And it's leading you to death instead of light. And so there again, Sarah was sitting there. Oh, you say, Brother Tim, she wasn't in darkness yet. She had a glare of, oh, my revelation of Ishmael, of Hagar, of I'll never be able to do this. Of this, she's living in that glare of a false light, a false hope. People hide in their basement of their darkness and refuse to see the word manifest among them. You can take quotes and you can do anything with them. But any quote that points away from the bride being the final voice to the final age of a people who can say there's nothing too hard for the Lord, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, let me identify it. It's a glare. Amen. God has been in the process of restoration since the Lutheran age, and God is still in the process of restoration. A man said to Brother Brandon, said, well, you know, he heard him preach. He said, well, the book of Acts is a scaffold work. You know, and, and uh, when, when, the scaffold, when the work is completed, you take down the scaffold. So we don't need a book of Acts because it was only there for the building of the church and the original church is not for us today. And Brother Brandon said, I went and shook his hand and said, I'll agree with you. It is a scaffold work. But said, the building's not complete. And he said, as long as there's one more to come in, 
The book of Acts is still in action. Hallelujah. Amen. And I know it's still in action. I've seen it in action. Amen. And we still need that scaffold work to get right up to every promise of God. Come on. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God and the salvation. Now, so Luther, you know, would have, would go to Husk. He'd make a denomination out of the first word of restoration. The just shall live by faith. Wesley had two words of sanctification. Second definite work of grace. Pentecost had the third word, the restoration of the gift. But the entire seed has to come forth. Amen. Now, so one one would have justification, one would have sanctification, another would have the restoration again, but the entire seed has to come forth. Now they denominated and died on this and they denominated and died on that, but there's something that cannot be denominated. It's the entirety of the life that's in there. It has to produce itself in a bride. So therefore, let me just say, this is the hour where the entire seed, we're not just staying at justification. We're not just staying at sanctification. We're not just staying at restoration again. We're having the entirety of the seed. Every promise of God lays in the seed. And this is the seed age. Brother Branham said in, Palm worm, canker worm, and caterpillar. Let me use just a few quotes before we bring this down to close. But I want to kind of emphasize, just wake up for the next 10 minutes. Do you good. Sarah, I've let you have your nap. Time to wake up. The son of man's outside your tent. Listen, he said, and uh, close to what I want to tell you. The ever presence of the living God is the lifeline of any church. Or any bunch of people, the ever presence of the living God to perform and to do and to act and to live with the people as he did in the beginning. If the presence of the living God brought a Pentecost with power, with signs and wonders, and brought a people so full of the holy, of the glory of God, till they shouted and spoke with other languages and went and martyrs for the faith, let us earnestly contend for that faith until death shall set us free. Earnestly contend for it. He goes on to say in there, if God brought forth his first branch, out of that vine was a Pentecostal branch with power and visions and revelations and healing and sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the next branch will be the same thing. It certainly will. Every time the vine puts forth a branch, it'll be exactly like that one at the first place. Again, he said the martyr stood there without a bat of an eye, and he knew where he was standing. He knew who he had believed. He was able, knowing this, God could raise him up at the last day because he promised it. And before he would bow to any man-made old dirty rag sap line, he's calling them doctors of the church, he'd die on a stump. Hallelujah. And he said, let me die in the same place. If God doesn't come in my generation, I'll die on the stump. 
where the cankerworms ate to it. Believing that Jesus Christ and his church in his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I may not be able to produce it out in all these branches because of the old sap lines out here of denomination and creed cuts me off and drops me like a hot potato. That may be true, but I'll stand loyal to that stump and I'll cry that hour will come. God will restore his church to his original condition. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand, Brother Branham didn't have to die on a stump. He pointed to a God who said, I will restore. And there is a bride who has come out of that stump. And right now she has got her branches up in the light. And the evening light is shining on it. And fruit is coming on that tree. Hallelujah. And she's producing the original fruits of the tree when it was first planted. Because she's predestinated. Now, glare won't do that. The evening light is the only thing that will produce it. And it's the same as the morning light. The evening light and the morning light is the same. What God did in the beginning, God is doing now. What he did in groom form, he's doing now in bride form. Come on, somebody. Amen. This is where we're at. Amen. The evening light brings evening results. Amen. It's promised to bring forth a mature fruit. Amen. A mature tree with ripened fruit. Ah, Brother Tim, that's why we don't want shouting, speaking in tongues and Dancing in the spirit because that's green. And, you know, we're really ripened. We're really, yeah, we're really ripened. We're really overripe fruit. Oh, a mature church is one who produces the man child. Christ is an immature church that's void of the power of God. In an immature church, Amen, you don't expect fruit. But in a mature church, you should expect mature fruit. Intellectual knowledge and sophistication is not mature. That's how they did it in the green stage of Luther and Wesley. But only when the church's atmosphere turns back to Acts 2 again, only then will we be the mature seed that was the grain. So therefore, in order to have the full ripen, we've got to have the same Holy Spirit working in the same manner as it did in Acts 2. Because that's what produced the morning light, produced a ripened tree. And so the evening light does the same thing. So there has to be the atmosphere of Acts 2 again. As Brother Branham said this, and, I, and, I, and just to show you this, he said, it takes the Spirit of God to bring life. That life must not come out of just an intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible, a word revival. And that word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls and quickens, you get the same results you got in Acts 2. Amen. Exactly. It always has and it always will be because the Spirit of God conditions the atmosphere. Well, we don't want that atmosphere, Brother Tim. We, we want an atmosphere that produces the character of the king. What else is going to produce his character? 
Amen. The Spirit of God conditions the atmosphere and it brings it back to Acts 2 that produces sons and daughters of God who have the character of the king. See, a word results, brings the same results of Acts 2. It always will and it always has and it always will. But the problem is, men take the message, the pure grain, the pure wheat, the unadulterated word. Can, can, I, can I say it in a way, in a way different? The, the wheat grain, and they run it down in the basement of Baptist theology, saying you receive the Holy Ghost upon believing. When you believe the message or when you accept this doctrine, you have run down and you have taken the wheat grain down into the a Baptist basement. Come on. Amen. You see, and yeah, it may, they, there may be some good people come out of that. It's Baptist and Lutheran and Presbyterian glare that says that we're, we receive the Holy Ghost without knowing it. Well, we get it today and we don't know it, Brother Tim. Come, come on. You, you think I'm joking, but I've heard message preachers actually say that. We get the Holy Ghost today and we don't know we got it. Well, that's not the conditions it was in Acts 2. Everybody knew. These were drunk on new wine. Everybody knew these were under an anointing. Everybody knew. Come on, somebody. Amen. That their lives were changed. It took those who were scared and afraid and made cowards and made them out into real believers and said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. I'll pour out my spirit in the last day. Bible light. Bible light is that you receive the Holy Ghost as an experience. An experience of Acts 2. Something happens. The breath of God fills you. And you receive overcoming power to live an overcoming life. Now, neither do we accept the Azusa Street glare of a confusion of tongues. And you have the Holy Ghost. That's how two is a mirage. It's a false light. But nevertheless, it takes the right atmosphere to bring life, healing, or miracles and for all the word to be manifested. An atmosphere comes because of the strength of the sun. Now, I want to get to you. Your scripture or where you find yourself in the Bible in the last day is right here in Revelation 10. And when he comes, his face is as the light of the sun. No darkness. The expression of God today is in the full strength of the light. Now, again, you cannot ripen even real word in a basement. You cannot take it down into Baptist or Presbyterian or Catholic theology or even Pentecostal Azusa Street theology. You've got to bring it to the atmosphere of Acts 2. And only then will it bring forth life for a harvest. Now, so the glare of another age that says the days of miracles is past. Now, that may have been true in Luther's age. Somebody with me? The days of miracles may have been past. 
Maybe all the miracles they have is looking back to the, to the book of Acts. But that's not where we're living. Are you with me? Amen. Baptist time. You know where, where, that, where that, that, that all they got was a light of, of water baptism. That might have been okay in the Baptist hour. And they could say, days of miracles is past. We don't have divine healing. But that's not true today. We have matured past that. Come on, church. Even Azusa Street up matured past that. And if you don't have miracles and signs and wonders, then you're not even mature as Azusa Street. You are green, 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 green. Without miracles, our bodies won't change. Amen. Without faith, we can't please God. Without healing, we're robbed of the signs that follow them that believe. For they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Without tongues, we don't have the language of heaven. It's a false light that says we don't need miracles. Oh, it's not the season for it. Without faith to believe for healing, we can't have faith for the change of body. This is not the hour of less faith. This is the hour of more faith. Now listen, I'm going to try to close on this. I preached one time last month. I won't make it all up today. But you hang with me just for a little bit more. Because I want you to see clearly we have been brought out of the darkness. Don't go back in the basement. We have been brought out of darkness into light. If I could bring this to an applicable way of even you and your personal life, don't go back in the darkness. I can never make it. I can never overcome. I can never, I can never, I can never get over this sickness. I can, I can never have my children say, I can never get past that. This is where we got to come to say there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing. But it looks impossible. We're not talking about looks. Sarah looked impossible. Now, Brother Brandon preached a sermon called There is a Man Here. And I want you to notice he didn't say coming. He said here. I want to declare he has not left. There is a man here, present, that can turn on the light. And he preached it, and part of his sermon, he dealt with how that in England, at that time, this was 1963, and you can go and read about it, that in England there was a great robbery that took place because of a false light. And there was a train that was loaded with, with gold and money of all kinds, British pounds. And, and the, what the thieves actually did was they used lights to slow down the train and to stop it. And finally, you know, it come to a stop. This is the great train robbery of 1963 in England. This gang of men, they, they robbed a mail train 
uh, at that time, uh, 2.6 million British pounds. I, I, but today it's somewhere like 50 million in today's money. And Brother Branham took note of it because it was one of the greatest robberies that the world had ever known of up to that time. And it happened when this train field of millions of British pounds was stopped by false light. It went from green to red. Now, I just want to stop in here and interject. When Brother Branham was here, I want you to know we had a train loaded down with goodness. Can anybody doubt that? Amen. My, you know, it was filled with a load of abundance. And it was headed toward glory. It had enough gold to save the lost. Come on, somebody. It contained enough wealth to clothe and and throw a party for every prodigal. It would heal every sick person. It would cast out devils. It would change our bodies. It would rapture the church. It was loaded down with goodness. Can you say amen? Amen. That was the train. The light was green, and we were on our way. Chug, 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 you know, going right down. And then robbers started throwing red lights to stop the train. Bear with me for a moment, but red lights like we don't need the supernatural. You see, that would take away from the prophet and who he is. Only he could be John 14, 12, when John 14, 12 is forever believer. Amen. So we don't need, we don't want that anymore. So we'll just take that off the train. And you can't have visions because only the prophet had that. When the Bible said, you don't hear what the Bible said? I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And my sons and my daughters shall prophesy. And old men shall dream dreams. And young men shall see visions. Hallelujah. That's what's supposed to be on the train. But the robbers put a red light. We don't need divine healing. It's just not the age and the season for that anymore. You see, it's the word age. This is not the age for tent revivals. Well, I'm not trying to get Sarah into a tent. I'm trying to get Sarah out of the tent into the light. We're no way trying to bring back the 40s and the 50s. Don't even accuse us of that. Amen. We're not even trying to have tent revivals. My goodness, we built a church. Amen. We, we, we just want to see the bride's portion. As it was said in perfect faith, I'm trying to get the church into a place where we can really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger. It's laying right at the door. We see it. We, we want to see more of it. We want it just to flow that it'll be a help to us and us flow out to others. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That ought to be the attitude of the church. Brother Brandon preaches this in perfect faith. How many wants perfect faith? Well, that's out of reach for you. You can't have perfect faith. Only Brother Branham had perfect faith. So that's not even for you. You see, that was for him. You see, that's a robber. 
Amen. That's a line sign. That's a red light put in your way. Amen. Brother Branham never said those things. He said, we want to see apostolic times. Amen. We wanted to have such a flow. Well, Robert say, but a supernatural experience with God, we'll take that away too. You don't need that. And they robbed, they robbed the train. Their healing was stopped. Miracles were stopped. Come on now. Amen. I, I'm talking about where actually robbers have stood by the track and put a red light to stop the moving of the Holy Ghost, to stop the flow of apostolic time, to stop, and they're still doing it. They'll get in the pulpits and they will try to stop it. Amen. And their healing was stopped. Miracles were stopped. Supernatural births gave way to intellectual conceptions. Come on, Buster and Andy, isn't that true? Brothers, you've been there, haven't you? Raise your hand. You're witnesses of what I'm preaching about right now. What happened? Men put a stop. God didn't. His light was green. His light was the promises for you. But men took the light. Listen, they took the pure word. They took the grain of the word and ran it down in the basement and refused to let the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost come upon the promise word to manifest what it, the truth of it was. Oh, we have a more excellent way. Yeah, we're being robbed. This... You see, we, we don't lay hands on the sick. Are you spiritually crazy? Are you spiritually crazy enough to believe that? Well, we have something greater. You see, we have perfect love and it's a better way. Well, there's a lot of sick needs healing. I sure wish you'd use that love. Well, we, but we have a more excellent way. I'd like to read the more excellent way. Would you like to read it with me in 1 Corinthians 2, 28, 12, 28? And God sent some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healers, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Have all gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues. Do all interpret it. No, that's among believers. Every person doesn't have that. But covet earnestly the best gifts. Actually, he tells you twice, covet, desire, strongly desire the best gifts. And yet, I want to show you a more excellent way. So then Paul goes into 1 Corinthians 13, and you can put verse 1 up there. And he goes to show that I can speak with tongues of men and angels and not have charity the basic element of God, God is love. I have become as a sounding brass or tinkling sandal. 
And then he goes on to say, in other words, I'm just a bunch of noise. I can have that and not have God. And though I have the gift of prophecy, look at that. And I understand all mysteries. Uh Uh-oh, that throws all of you horn-rimmed glasses out. Come on. You bunch of message nerds that have all the knowledge and understand all mysteries looking at us through your horn-rimmed glasses saying we got it all. And though I have all faith that I can move mountain and have not the love of God, the very basic element of God, I am nothing. You see, the more excellent way is not to have is not a church without prophecy, without understanding mystery, without having knowledge, though, without having faith, without having, you know, gifts of the spirit, without having tongue. That is not the more excellent way. The more excellent way is to have the love of God, the Holy Ghost in your life with all of that. And you don't have the more excellent way without the other. So the more excellent way is not the Holy Ghost without faith and gifts of healing or gifts of prophecy or love, which is the Holy Ghost, yet, uh, with, yet with, no, with no understanding of mystery. The more excellent way is having the nature of God with faith that will move mountains. Come on, how many is third pole believers? Well, guess what? In the third pole, you move mountains. You say to this mountain, be moved. Come on, that's a third pull word. Without that, you're not in the third pull. Amen. The more excellent way is having the nature of God with the faith that'll move mountains, with miracles, with signs and wonders, and also to know the mysteries and have all knowledge. So don't tell me we have a more excellent way that excludes God's gifts. Because let's go back. Let's go back to where we started reading. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Let's go back to there for a moment. I'm trying to bring this down. And God placed in the church, first of all, apostles. First thing he did was call 12. And then second, prophets. Third, teachers and then miracles and then gifts of healing and helping and guidance and different kinds of tongues. So the more excellent way then would have to include prophets, teachers, apostles. Come on. Don't get, don't get rid of that which you don't want. Amen. Because if you've got to get rid of the gifts to have the more perfect way, hell, then you got to also get rid of uh, tongues to have the more perfect way. You also got to get rid of prophets, teachers, apostles, helps, miracles, all of it. But if you have the more perfect way, you have God in the ministry, in the prophetical gift. God calling men, God calling the elect. Come on, somebody. God moving in the church. That's the more perfect way. It's the more excellent way. Now, so there again is the glare of a false light that says we have a more excellent way 
by not having the signs that follow them believe. But, you know, the signs don't follow us, but we got a more excellent way. No, you don't. Well, we don't speak with tongues, but we, because we got a more excellent way. No, you don't. We don't have healing anymore. Not tent revivals. That's all past, you know, because we got more excellent way. No, you don't. If you have the excellent way, you have God with that. So the train was loaded. But when they got down to the end after being robbed, all that was left on the train was a glare of a false light left only with a false illusion. And when you have a false illusion, then you pretend. Listen to me now. You pretend the Holy Spirit comes down when I push play. As if the Holy Ghost is bottled up and confined in a machine. That's a mirage. They pretend the token is there because they can show the devil a cassette. That's a mirage. That is a mental illusion. Others are just as bad. They traded the old-fashioned, born-again experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost for a Baptist easy believing, a, a Baptist approach to salvation, the Holy Ghost without an experience, and that is a false light. Some churches are actually, grieves me to say this, but they actually pretend they can turn the service over to Brother Branham. We are now going to turn the service over to God's servant and prophet, Brother Branham. And they pretend that he's now preaching from the pulpit. And you expect sane people to believe that? You're in a basement. That's mental and spiritual insanity. They pretend. They actually pretend. Listen, setting up a speaker like this and piling up some hankies there and getting Brother Branham's voice to play over the thing. Now, did everybody get their hanky that Brother Branham prayed over? That's spiritualism. Brother Branham's not here to pray over our prayer, prayer cloths. Amen. God's still got a ministry on earth. God placed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers. God put them there. I'll tell you what. You cannot take them out. God put them in there. But robbers do. Do you realize we take the broken bread. Somebody breaks it in front of the speaker. Breaks it in front of the speaker. Takes a sip of the wine. Brother Branham's voice is played over the speaker. And we eat the communion bread. And we drink the wine. And, uh, and then the leader gets up sobbing and crying. Isn't it wonderful to have had God's prophet to serve communion to us? Pretending. So they pretend he's serving them communion. They pretend they and others, bring it down, pretend they have the Holy Ghost 
just by embracing certain doctrines. Some pretend the Holy Ghost comes when they raise their hand. You raise your hand, you know, preacher says, raise your hands, you want to accept Christ. I want to say raising your hand is good. You made a move for God. You accepted Christ as your Savior. But follow through on receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, uh, again, uh, again, the others pretend, like I said, they have the Holy Ghost. When they embrace certain doctrine, they're still living with dirty lives. And when something they, you know, like disbelief, the sign comes along, they, they cast out on the message, they fall away. They go back into darkness again. You see, pretend to believe in healing, but there's little or no manifestations of it. Hiding in the basement, refusing the light, living the glare, and they've been robbed. And the train that was bound for glory is sitting on the side and nothing in it. By false light. That's what the glares will do. It'll give you a false light. But I'll tell you what, that's not the train I'm riding on. This train I'm on has got healing in it. This train I'm on has got miracles in it. This train I'm on has got the Holy Ghost in it. This train I'm on, come on somebody, it's got the joy of the Lord in it. Amen, we can blow the horn, we can shout all the way. Amen, we've got it, we're loaded. Hallelujah, because the prophet of God loaded us straight from glory and we're not letting any robber on our train with some false light that says it can't happen anymore. Because we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light because we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood who gives praise to his name and you do it even when you don't feel like it. You don't have to wait for a certain revival to come by because you're a priest. Amen. And you are offering spiritual sacrifices unto him and you come into church. And whether you're here on the front or you're back in the mezzanine, you get in the service. And you put your heart into the service. And you give a praise unto God. And you worship God with all your heart, with all your soul. Let the musicians come. Have you been robbed? Are you letting the devil rob you? Play that song. I've been, it's been going over my heart all day. It is well with my soul. Thank you for bearing with me and let me speak as long as I have. If the devil has robbed you of something, maybe he's robbed you of your peace, he's robbed you of your joy. Maybe he's robbed you of a home, of a childhood. Things wasn't pleasant. Things wasn't right. 
Maybe he's done something to you. Maybe he's robbing you in your life and you just know. You just know there's got to be something greater that's sitting in this darkness of your tent. You're out there listening to me today and you're in some cold, formal church, backslidden, without the power of God in it, without the Holy Ghost moving. It's time to come out of the darkness into the light. I don't mean come join Evening Light Tabernacle. I mean come to the light. Ask him, say, Lord, I've let the devil rob me of things. Today, let the light bringer stand in front of my tent. So come on out of it. Sarah, you've been hopeless long enough. You've been in unbelief long enough. It's time you walk in the light. Time the light dawns. Time you quit looking at red lights and start looking at green lights. The devil says you can't. God says you can. Time you quit looking at the red lights. God didn't put them there. There's no stopping for this train that's on its way to glory. Amen. We're not leaving a hoof behind. We're taking our loved ones. We're taking our children. We're taking our families. We're taking every promise. Come on, somebody. We're going to be healed. We're going to see miracles. We're going to have every promise of God that be ours. Amen. Because that's what's on this train. It's full of the gold of God. It's full of the word and the promise of God. And it's mine. It's mine. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like to see billows Whatever my life thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well shining. It is well. The peace of God is flowing like a river. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Every promise in the book is ours. It is well. It is well. It is well because there's nothing too hard for God. He can change my situation and he's calling me out of darkness into light. Say, go try. Let this bless us.
sin, oh, the blessed, this glorious dawn. My sin.
Liberty, 
give it to Jesus everything and now I gladly owe him as my king and now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary and mercy there oh was free and pardoned there was multiplied salvation's plan and all oh, the grace that brought it down to man all oh, the mighty gulf that God despair at Calvary and mercy there was great and grace was free oh, was multiplied to verse one more time before we go. Now I've given to Jesus. Oh, now I've given to Jesus everything. And now I gladly owe him as my king. And now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. And mercy there was great. And part of there was multiplied to me, and there my burden so found it. Amen. You're dismissed. I can't.